Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So tonight I, I want to talk to anybody who's ever been through a hard time. Anybody ever been through a hard time here? Anybody ever looked back at going through that hard time and felt a little bit ashamed about the way you handled that hard time? Is that just me or I'm uh, not alone? Good, I'm in good company. Excellent. Um, I just want to share with you, um, I know normally I read big slabs of Scripture and I love doing that, but there's one verse that I'm going to sit in tonight. I'm going to give you some points. We're going to pray for some people and then we're going to go and drink coffee, yeah? Everyone's good with that? Fantastic. I wonder if you've got your Bibles, if you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 is what we're going to be reading for. Uh, I, I'm actually going to read um, out of the King James Version of the Bible. Bear with me with the these and the thous. Um, I will explain, but I just like the way it rolls better. <laughs> so we're going to go there. Is that all right? It's not a religious thing. It's not a anything other than I just like the way it's, it sits and fits. So... Verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are, that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Yeah? I'm going to read it again. It's a powerful scripture, and uh, I believe if you let it get deep down, this is going to change the way we do life. Yeah? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I feel like you should get excited at that point. No, like, like excited, like really excited. I feel like any time somebody says, God is faithful, that should stir my faith to respond to that truth that is evident in my life, yeah? So we're going to try that again. There is no, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. We're getting there. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The first thing I want to establish before we get started is that that word temptation, I know that when that's mentioned, we always think of sin. Yeah? In this context, the Hebrew word that is used actually means trial or test. So if we were to read it, substituting that word in there, it is there is no test taken you, but such as is common to man. It brings a whole different meaning for us reading that scripture to be able to sit in that when we go through testing times, yeah? So with that in mind, here we go. Point number one, there has no temptation taken you. Have you ever felt like you've been taken? I didn't have a choice. It wasn't something that I did. It was almost like outside of my control, I was taken. And the word there is there's no temp the, the insinuation is that there are times in life where you get taken by things that are outside of your control. There are times in life where things just happen. Bad stuff happens to good people, yeah? Just like good stuff happens to bad people. 
There are times in life where we are taken outside of our control, outside of our will, outside of anything we could do or say. Something takes a hold of us and takes from us. The whole word taken, if you have, has anyone ever had their house broken into? And had something taken from you? There's a violation that's attached to that. There's an invasion of privacy that is attached to that. There's a a feeling of vulnerability that comes to that. And I don't know about you, but I know in my walk and across the, the journey of my life, there have been moments where I felt like myself has been violated by things that have been taken from me outside of my control. Maybe it's my peace. Maybe it's my joy. Maybe it's a promise from God that I was holding on to. Maybe it's my confidence that I feel like I felt like I was called to do this thing. And yet there was a moment where I felt like the confidence and the boldness to do the thing that I felt called in God to do was taken from me. Anyone ever felt that? There are times in life where stuff gets taken from you. It's violation. It makes you feel vulnerable, (sighs) makes you take a breath, makes you take stock. Maybe it makes you shrink back when you should be moving forward. Maybe it makes you cut off a relationship where you should be building bridges. Maybe it makes you second-guess yourself when you should be stepping with confidence. Maybe it makes you disengage from relationships which are supposed to challenge you and stretch you and take you somewhere. And yet, because there's trust that has been taken from you in another environment, you, you struggle to step into the thing that God has called you to do. There is no temptation, no test that has taken you. If you're in this place and stuff has been taken from you, you're in good company. Because God's got a promise for you, and we're going to get to it tonight, yeah? Anyone had anything taken from them? Anybody felt like, you know, one of the challenges for me when I was growing up, um, I felt like I was a really confident kid until about the age of 10 or 11, and all of a sudden I was extremely, excruciatingly conscious of what everybody else thought about me. To the point where it begins to cripple your personhood and who you are, where you don't stand up for the things you believe in because you're worried about what people might think or say or what will they look at me like? Will that change their perception of me? And, And my challenge as a dad and one of the things that's in my heart to do was I want the confidence of that five year old kid that would walk into any room like they owned the place. You know, they don't care who you're talking to, they don't care what you're talking about. They just need to talk to dad and say, hey, dad, buddy, I'm in the middle of something. You know what I mean? There's a confidence and a boldness and a, and a, and a, a self-assuredness that comes with the age that somehow is taken from us. And by the time we get to 12 or 13, we're at a point where we don't even want people to know that we go to church on the weekend. I remember playing footy as, a, as an eight, nine-year-old into school footy. And I used to play in defense. And our team was really dominant. So we didn't spend a lot of time in my half of the ground. So I'd be standing there. And my mum my used to say, she would come to watch me play football. And she'd be like, what are you doing, Chris? And I'm talking to the guy next to me that I'm supposed to be standing on as opposition. And I was talking to him about Jesus. And I would just stand there and talk to him about Jesus the whole time because I knew the ball wasn't coming down here. So we're just going to stand here and say, man, do you go to church? And I'm eight years old. I'm just going to win the world. And by the time I got to 14, I'm like, man, don't let anyone know that I'm a Christian. What happened? Well, something was taken from me. 
If you're in this place and stuff has been taken from you, there are promises of God and we're going to get there. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. What does that mean? It means you're not the first person to walk through whatever you're walking through. It means you won't be the last person to walk through whatever you're walking through. It means that what you're going through is not as unique as you would like to think it is sometimes. As maybe the enemy would like you to think it is sometimes. Like you are all alone, like you're the only person that's ever made this mistake, like you're the only person who's ever struggled with this thing or had this situation in their life, like you're all alone in that. And the Bible says it's common to man. In other words, everybody else in the room, if you were to take a survey, if this room was to be honest, most people would be in the exact same boat as what you're in. And yet when we're in that boat, we think we're all alone. That's the lie, right? The lie is to make you feel like you're all alone. Don't let them know what you're up to. So if you let them know what's going on, they're going to think this about you. They might just think you're human. They might just think, hey, man, I can identify with you because I struggle with that too. They might just think, you know what? I, I, I honestly think that some of the reason why people have, we had that tall poppy syndrome in Australia is because people wish they had the confidence that those people had. It's easy to pick them off. I honestly think a lot of that is envy. We could sit here and watch people who are confident and self-assured and get up here and we think they're so up themselves. That's just a cop-out for insecure people who wish they had the confidence of the people that are standing up there doing it. But the great principle out of that is you aren't the first person to go through whatever it is that you're going through. Which means a couple of things. The first thing it means is if you are willing to be vulnerable and open, you can find people who have walked through what you're walking through and get the help that you need to strategically move you from where you are to where you need to be. That's exciting. If you're walking through brokenness in some way, if you're willing to be vulnerable, and let's be honest, the thing that stops us from being vulnerable is pride, yeah? Because what will people think? That's a pride thing. But if this is common to man, then the chances are that whatever I'm walking through, there's somebody in this room who's either walked through it or is walking through it. And maybe if they're further down the road than I am, they can help me get through what I'm going through right now. That's a great point, right? That's a great thing. Maybe there's someone who can help me. Others have been through this. Others have been through this. They're on the other side, right? The other, I don't want to be too cruel, the other side of it is toughen up, princess. Right? Everybody goes through hard times. It's real easy to feel like looking at your navel. Oh, God, it's so bad. You know what? Everyone's got stuff. This stuff is common to man. Everybody's dealing with and walking through hard stuff. And it's real easy to magnify your own journey and sit there and look at your belly button and tell yourself you're the victim and sit yourself in the victim chair. And my life is so bad and it's so hard. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how bad you got it. There's always someone who's got it worse. And it's all a matter of perspective on how you're going to choose to view this thing and how you're going to choose to engage with this thing. But there is nothing that has taken you in your life right now that is not common to man. There are other people who are dealing with this thing. I'm not saying everybody's in the boat where you need to toughen up, princess, but I'm saying there are some. 
I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through. I'm just saying if you were to lift your head, take a deep breath and square your shoulders, just think about it for a minute in the light of world hunger and terrorism and people losing their lives to horrible diseases like cancer on a daily basis. You know what? That teenager, that person doesn't call you back. It's all right. You'll be okay. That relationship that didn't go the way you wanted to, it's okay. You'll be okay. You're not alone. Sometimes it's just time to toughen up a little bit. Is that okay? It's common to man. I love this bit. It's common to man. And this almost seems like it doesn't belong in the verse, right? There's no temptation taking you, but such is as common to man. But God is faithful. Why is that? Well, because the thing that you need to do first, when you realize I'm going through something and something's been taken from me, is you need to remind yourself of the character of the God that you serve. It is one thing to sit here and say, I believe in God our Father. And it's a whole other thing to still believe in God our Father when something has been taken from you. It's, it's a whole other level when the revelation that we sing in our songs actually has to mean something. So God is faithful, we just want to remind you that when you walk through a struggle or a trial or a test, you need to remind yourself of the nature of our God, of the fact that He is faithful. Yeah. 2 Timothy. I think it's a bit more exciting than that, if I'm honest. 2 Timothy 2 says, 2 Timothy 2.11 says, this is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. God is faithful. God is faithful to complete that which He's begun in you. God is faithful to complete the promises that He has for your life. God is faithful to deliver on the things that He's burdened your heart with. God is faithful as far as your life is concerned. And because He's faithful, when I'm in the midst of a test or a trial, I just need to take a breath and remind myself, no matter how bad it looks right now, God is faithful. God is faithful. God wants you to know Him. Part of the purpose of the test is to get to know Him. You will never know about the faithfulness of God until you've experienced the faithlessness of people. You don't need a faithful God until everybody else has left and it's just you and Him. That's when you need to know. That's when you find out that God is faithful. That's your moment right there. They're the times when we experience and we learn. See, God doesn't give you a test so that He can figure out what's in you. Whatever's in you, He put in you. I've said this before. God gives you a test so you can know what's in you and you can know what's in Him. It's not like you go through a test and God goes, wow, I didn't know that was in there. He's smiling. Oh, you just seen what I saw. Yeah, good. He's got a big smile on his face, ear to ear. Oh, you learned something about yourself. That's awesome. 
What did you learn about me? I learned that you're faithful. I, I learned that when I make an idiot of myself reacting to things, you're still faithful. Because when I'm unfaithful, your word says you're still faithful. Uh, what I figured out was when everybody else leaves, you're still there. What I figured out was that no matter how low I go, you're still with me in the valley. The Bible says he stoops down into our mess and picks us up. I found out about you, God, that you were faithful. When everybody else was faithless, you were faithful. God is faithful. You know, all through the Bible, there's these moments where where uh, uh, God gets the children of Israel to do certain things to remember. The significant one is, is uh, at the end of Joshua, where Joshua says, Will you serve the gods of this land, the gods of your fathers, or the God who brought you out of Egypt? And the whole nation stands before him and says, We're going to serve the God who brought us out of Egypt, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a great moment. It's a landmark moment where we're making a decision as far as what it looks like. And at that point, they erect a monument. They anoint this big stone with oil, and they say, This stone will bear witness against you. Why? Because every generation that comes past, we need to remember remind them about what God did. Why do we go through some things? Well, maybe because you need some rocks and some things to go back to in your life that you can remind future generations. There's, there's a pile of 12 stones by the Jordan River that is a reminder that God is able to bring people out of slavery and deliver them into a promise. There, there, there's things that are there to remind us that God is faithful. He was faithful. Here's, here's the thing about God, right? God honors, honors promises to dead people. He promised Joshua, uh, Joseph, he was going to bring him out of Egypt. 400 years. Anybody who had any kind of knowledge about that promise is long since gone. And yet God is so faithful that he continues to honor his word after the people that could hold him accountable have passed away. That's how faithful God is. And we go through stuff and we learn things about God so that we can look back and say, you know what, at that time in my life, when something was taken from me, you know what I found out? Young person, son, daughter, husband, wife, you know what I found out? I found out that God is faithful. That's what I found out. And so the next time I go through something, I just look back. He's been faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful. So what do we expect this time when we go through something? Well, I just expect more of the same. Because God is faithful. He, not, he doesn't do faithful. He is faithful. <laughs> Who will not suffer you to be tempted or tested above that ye are able. God knows your capacity. And whatever you're walking through right now, you got this. I'm not saying it's not going to hurt. I'm not saying you're not going to wrestle with it a little bit. I'm not saying you can't have a down day. But you got this. Because God is faithful and he won't let you be tested above what you can handle. You got this. You're stronger than you think you are. You're tougher than you think you are. There's more in you than you think is in you. There's stuff on the inside of you that has been built for just this time. God has been preparing you for this place and now you're ready. Now's the time. He is faithful. He will not let you be tested above 
what you can handle. You were built for this. We look at the life of Job, an incredible man, and uh, a man of faith, a man of power, very wealthy man. The devil can't, I love this, the devil has to come and ask permission. The devil's like, I've been walking the earth to and fro, and God's like bragging on his boy. Have you considered my servant Job, he says. It's my boy. He's got it going on. The devil comes back with, yeah, yeah, but you don't let me do anything. So how would you know if he's faithful or faithless? You don't know because he's not been tested. And God says, test away, man. Don't do this and don't do that. I love that he has to play by the rules. <laughs> this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Let's not give the devil too much credit, okay? He is constrained by the power of an almighty God to the point where he has to come and give account for his actions. Stand before the throne room and God says, what are you doing? And the devil doesn't go, who are you to ask me? He just does what he's told. He reports, right? Because even he acknowledges the power. What does the Bible say? Oh, you, you believe? Yeah, great. The demons believe and they tremble, right? Even the devil acknowledges the power of Almighty God. Yes, boss. No, boss. Whatever you say, boss, right? I love that. God's like, yeah, you can do this and you can do that, but that's it. And he comes crawling back, oh, can I do this? All right, you can do that, but not that. God's like putting boundaries on him. It's crazy. But he's having this incredible encounter with God where he's being weighed and measured and God is, is allowing his life to be sifted through a process. But God is completely in control of what that process looks like. There is nothing that happens in that process that God is not on top of. And that should fill your heart with faith. That there is nothing that has been allowed to happen in your life that God is not on top of. That he is, nothing has taken him by surprise. Oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Like that stupid song on the radio. But I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting more lyrics, if I'm honest. Um, I wasn't expecting that to just be said 15 times, and that's a song. Get me on the radio. What? wasn't expecting that. <sighs> you can do this. You were built for this. Nothing that's coming across your desk, nothing that's coming across your life is unknown to God. None of it has taken Him by surprise and everything you need to handle what it is that you're going through, He's already built into your life. One of the great things about God, right, is you pray for a tree and He gives you a seed. And you go, this isn't what I prayed for. He goes, no, nah, but everything you need is inside that seed to get what it is that you prayed for. And the problem with Christians, <laughs> the problem with believers, is we pray dangerous prayers, but we don't realize they're dangerous prayers. You know, they pray things like, God, use me. And he goes, all right. And then they sit in your office and go, I just feel so used by the church. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> I reckon that's what you prayed for. So rather than whining, you should be praising God because He's a prayer answering God, right? If you feel used by the church, awesome. There's nothing, you'll feel used by something. It may as well be the church. We pray these dangerous prayers. God, I just want to do something great for your kingdom. And we respond to all the calls and then crap happens. God's like, well, I can't just give you great stuff. I've got to know that you can handle it when it comes. So if you're going to pray for great stuff, you've got to expect some crap. You know, if you want the trees to go good, 
You've got to put some fertilizer on there to make sure that they grow healthy and strong. So in your life, you are going to experience some crap. That's what happens, right? It's fertilizer. Just treat it as the vehicle to your growth. Oh, God, grow me. Oh, God, I, I want to be a preacher or an evangelist. Good luck. What you've just done is draw an enormous target right on the front of your shirt and said, devil, have a go. Because you've just responded to an article and said, God, use me. I want to see people saved. The devil's not going, that's a lovely idea. What we need in this world is more of that, don't you think? He's going, bam, target. Get that one. And God's going, yeah, you can test. You can test because I trust what's inside of them. They've got everything that they need to get through this situation already on the inside of them. So you can test, but this far and no further. Why? Because God is faithful. And if we were convinced of the faithfulness and the power of our God, I kind of think we'd be asleep in the bottom of the boat with Jesus, right? Hmm. You can do this. You got this. Here's a good bit, or kind of. You're going to think it's a good bit until I burst your rubble. <laughs> but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape? Everyone's like, yes, a way of escape. I, I love the fact that it says, with the temptation, make a way of At the same time as the test is being designed, God's way out is being designed. Adam eats the apple. At the same time as the test is happening, Jesus is happening. The solution to the problem is in play at the same time. You, you don't always get to see it at the same time, but nothing is happening to you that God hasn't already thought of the solution to the problem. There is a way out to whatever you're walking through. I don't know what you're walking through, but I know that with the temptation, once again, he is not surprised. He, it's like he built the fence and he put a gate in it. There's a test and there's a way out. I built them both at the same time. I didn't hang the gate and then go back and build the fence. I didn't build the whole fence and then go, oh, got to stick a hole in it and put it there. It's not an afterthought. The way out for you is not an afterthought. Oh, Gee, I, I, I better, mm, that might be a bit too much. I better figure out a way. No. I built them both at the same time. I built the test and the way out at the same time. Sorry, I've had blood noses all day. I might be, if I bleed and run, that's what's happening. With every test, there's a way out. It was built at the same time. There is a strategy for you to get from where you are to where you need to be. There is a way out of the test which is super exciting because it means every time I go into the test, I can go in with the confidence and the surety in my heart that God has a way out of this thing for me. God has a plan to get me out of this thing. There is, a, there is an open door. I just got to walk along the fence till I find it. There, there is a way out. I, I just got to get to the way out. I got to maybe lift up my eyes. I got to maybe get around some bigger people so I can see a bit higher because the way out might be over there. I, I've got to get grown a little bit so that I can get out of where I am and get to the, the release that God has for me. Yeah? Really exciting. Except for there's another bit on the end of the verse. It's kind of a bubble burst, right? 
that you may be able to escape. No, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. He made a way of escape, but he might not want you to use it. The way of escape gives you the hope that you can get out if you need to. But the desire for him keeps you in it to learn what you need to learn to be closer to him. Thank you for the way out. I'm going to stay here. Just like four men in a furnace. There's a way out, but Jesus is in here. So I'm staying in here. Jesus hanging on the cross could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him. There's a way out, but I'm going to bear it. Thank God that Jesus didn't take the way out. Thank God that Jesus bore the burden of my sin and my shame on the cross. There was a way of escape. But he was big enough to know that that escape wasn't in the plan of God. There's a way of escape to give you hope. And so that if you get chicken, you can leave. I would encourage you to stay. Because the fullness of what God has for you, the fullness of his plan for your life doesn't happen when you take the easy way out. It happens when you bear it. Like a cross. When you bear it. When you carry it. When there's a burden attached to it. Just a little bit like that, yeah? I want to read one of the most um, quoted scriptures. I, I don't know if we read it properly. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's lovely. I have all that I need. Oh, that's great. There's provision. God's given me everything. It's wonderful. Everything I need. It's beautiful. He lets me rest in green meadows. Amazing. Who doesn't love a green meadow? He leads me beside peaceful streams. That's a, just a beautiful picture, isn't it? Green meadows and peaceful streams. and It's delightful. He renews my strength. Oh, yes, Lord. He guides me along right paths. There's paths. It's fantastic. Bringing honor to his name. Glory to Jesus. Oh, hang on. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. I want to go back to the streams and the paths. And glory to Jesus. I just want to give honor to his name. See how you give honor to his name in the darkest valley. How about, how about that? Oh, through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are close with me. It doesn't say, when I walked into the darkest valley, you airlifted me out because when I became a Christian, all of my problems went away. It doesn't say that. It says I had to walk through that thing. It doesn't even say that I get a shortcut. When I walked through the darkest valley, you showed me a quick way. And it was awesome. I was only in there for a day. It's kind of like a sightseeing trip. Extreme tourism. No. You've got to walk through the valley. You know what? You've got to walk through stuff just like everybody else. The only difference is who walks with you. 
We don't want to talk about that, though, because we like the fluffy Christianity where we're lying down in green meadows and drinking from streams and praise Jesus and all that. I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Hmm. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Ha! You're going to have enemies. Yeah? And it doesn't say, you make everybody love me and everybody wants to be my friend. No, no, you prepare a feast. I got to learn how to sit down and eat while the haters got to hate. This is real. This is the reality. Sometimes you got to walk through some stuff and there's no shortcuts. Sometimes not everybody's going to understand. Sometimes for making a stand for righteousness, you're going to make some enemies. But you can bear it. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. You know what? The blessings and the overflow don't happen till the other side of the valley. The blessings and the overflow happen when you're eating in the, in the presence of enemies. The, the, the blessings and the oil happens when you learn how to sit down in the presence of enemies in a dark valley and just be happy with the fact that I know Jesus is with me. I can get through this. I was made for this. I got this. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. You know what? The goodness and the unfailing love of God are not determined by your situation. Until you can learn to know the fullness of the unfailing love of God while your world is falling apart around you, you don't really know God. Joseph in the bottom of the prison, having been put there wrongfully, having been sold into slavery by his family, and the Bible says, and he found favor. But he stayed in the prison for 13 years. But he had favor. But he was in the prison. But he had favor. But he was still in the prison. Until you can find favor while you're still in the prison, you don't know anything about the faithfulness of God. You find out about the faithfulness of God when he's enough in the bottom of the prison, when it's unfair and unwarranted and not my fault and taken by something. But I can find favor. It says, Joseph found favor and God demonstrated his unfailing love, but he did not spring him from jail for 13 years. Wow, could we walk through something that was difficult and find the unfailing love of God before the breakthrough? Or do we only know the unfailing love of God when the breakthrough comes? Oh, Jesus loves me because he bought me out. No, Jesus loves me because Jesus loves me. I found out that in the bottom of the prison, while I'm eating prison slop, while I'm sitting there with my own thoughts and thinking about how this is undeserved and unwarranted and how dare this happen to me and I'm a Christian and this good this stuff's not supposed to happen to me. God's supposed to bless me and what the heck's going on? Can you find God's unfailing love in there? Can you declare the faithfulness of God while you're still waiting for your breakthrough or do you need to see the substance of the dream that you've been hoping for before you can recognize the character of your God? a bit excited. I'm nearly done. You with me? Oh, I was um, sitting on the couch with my dad the other night and we were, we were 
uh, going through the Bible and talking about some stuff, and he was, um, we, were, we were just tossing it backwards and forwards, and, and we had this incredible thought I want to share with you. It's kind of my last thought. If the band could come, that would be brilliant. Um, and it comes from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And I'm taking a bit of license here, but you'll get the gist, yeah? You with me? Everyone's still with me? Awesome. Everyone's good? Still awake? Wonderful. Excellent. Verse 20 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. One version says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice. I want you to read that again really carefully, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my knock. No. If you hear my voice. Right? Maybe if we stopped reacting to the knock and started responding to the voice, he would answer. We spend so much at many times reacting to the things that knock us, reacting to the things that bring challenge and change into our world that we miss the still small voice that comes on the back end of that and says, I want to come in and have a meal with you. Oh, but I'm so offended because God hasn't come through for me. And he's saying, I just want to eat with you. I'm so upset that they could speak to me like that, that that could happen, that this could happen, that this could... No, no, you're missing the point. The point is, there hath no test taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I'll say it again. God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 